0: Hi, peeps. Help Me Be Me is underfunded and needs your help. If you enjoy listening to this or it helps you at all, please visit helpmebeme.com and click donate or visit me on Patreon. Thanks. Hi, friends. This is Sarah May, and this is an episode that's all about self-sabotage. Why we betray others and ourselves and destroy the relationships that make us happy. This is for anyone who can't stop trying to convince themselves that they are bad and making sure their happiness goes away as soon as they have it with self-destructive actions. This one is for Nikki. I hope this helps. So why do we destroy relationships with those who love us? Why do we break our own trust, betray our own dreams, and rob ourselves of safety and happiness as soon as we get close to it? It's a mystifying loop of behavior that has a powerful effect on everything about your life. It causes a chain reaction that keeps multiplying and keeps us running from something ugly, something scary, a truth of what we've done or we are about to do. So just like an addict, you might live with a subconscious awareness that you will inevitably destroy whatever good you might have, and that anxiety is overwhelming and scary, like a lurking future of pain awaits you just around the corner. Happiness is immediately blocked by an overwhelming sense of dread that it will soon be lost. And so you self-medicate the fear and cling more tightly to what you want so badly. So when you do inevitably self-sabotage and act out in ways that betray your values and the values of your significant other or someone you love, the experience is laden with a resulting shame, and the shame is soul-crushing, just like you woke up inside a nightmare. And this is in part because you have no idea why you're doing it. It feels like an assault on everything you want and hold, to be important in your life. So it's almost like you have a separate self who is doing these things despite you. Because it hurts you and evokes intense guilt, this restarts the cycle of badness. Your action creates the feeling which creates the action. So if you're listening to this and nodding your head, I want you to know there is a simple reason behind your cycle of behavior that you must choose to learn. It's not who you are. It's a tactic that you learned to cope with unrelated pain and anxiety. So with that, there are three parts. The what, the why, and the how. The tools. Part one, the what. You might be in a long but noticeable pattern that makes you feel shitty about yourself and causes you to ruin a good thing as soon as you find it. Maybe you actually choose to avoid relationships that get serious, even if you like the other person, because you know it's going to cost you too much in the end. Better to get it over with ahead of time. Maybe you crave love and intimacy and you currently have a great partner. Someone who is more than you could ever ask for. The best and most tolerant, accepting person. But despite that, you find yourself in situations that you know they wouldn't like and you usually realize it way too late. When you wake up or you find yourself hiding the whole truth. Or maybe you're like a prisoner inside of your own body. You're watching yourself in the act, knowing... It's wrong, and it doesn't feel good. It's like a ship that keeps veering off course when you're not looking, but the ship is you. You might want to do things that don't make sense to you, that upset you and make you feel horrified even as you're doing them. You might feel outside your life as you're living it because of the fact that you have this dark secret identity, this other knowledge of this self that cannot be trusted. You might experience joy and love and intimacy and then immediately feel terror and sorrow of knowing it's going to be taken away. That that moment is inevitable because they will find out the truth. The truth that you have betrayed them, that you are a lie, that the person they know and love is not the person you are. You might feel like you're being tossed by the waves, lifted again to the surface to suck in the air and then tumbled downwards once again to scratch your life along the rocks. Maybe your cycle of self-torture has become becomes so abbreviated that you cannot distinguish the difference between you and the acts anymore. You have a faint awareness that the acts you perform are not what you want, that they hurt you, and they make you feel worthless and disgusting. At times, you cannot believe you are the one capable of enacting them. But yet, here you are once again, doing the same things, acting like a bad person, separate from your actions, and in the light of day, you're still the person who has done them. It's an overwhelming pain of loss atop a thick and heavy fog of self-hate and hopelessness. And there's no end in sight. Is this really my life? Can I promise myself I'll change it? it? I can't. It must be. Yes, this must be who I am. So if this sounds like you, take heart. You don't make sense to you right now, but you make sense to me. I see in you myself in former age and stage of my life. And here's what I can see from my vantage point. Your problems are not who you are and they're not your lot in life. They are tied to something specific from long ago. I'd like you to treat this podcast as a reason for you to do what I did. Go to therapy. The word itself probably, you know, triggers all sorts of negative associations or it sends shivers down your spine and it's definitely a lot of work and it can be a lot of money or it can be a lot of bother so if you go to the right person and you have the right goal at the forefront of your mind you will find that it goes by very quickly it's efficient and best of all you come out of it a whole person just it takes finding the right therapist but I digress for now let's get to part two the why As you know, or may not know, the premise of my podcast is all about the why behind everything we do, because the reason we are the way we are, the reason we do the things we do is very much the result of our life experience. The most anything you would do, I would do, and anyone else would do if they lived your life and they were placed within the same circumstances. So this darkness you feel or you fight against is not something specific to you. It is in part created by your life experiences. So know that you are not alone. You're not destined to suffer in this way. And you can and will find understanding and relief from your issues if you pursue the truth with openness, acceptance, and you choose to heal. You didn't arrive here by accident. Your actions are a manifestation of your feelings on the inside dark feelings of shame that don't fit with who you want to be in your conscious values. So your actions are putting this inner feeling into an active context. Just like PTSD sufferers will put themselves into danger so that they can feel more comfortable with the overwhelming emotions of terror, it's this way to empower yourself in the face of these overwhelming feelings and make sense of them. So your old experiences have created this loop of self-destruction in you That I'm sure another part of you is trying to rationalize. You're likely trying to give this low and dark behavior a logical source. I am doing this because of x. Because of stress. Because I didn't get that promotion. Because I was drunk. Because I really didn't like them anyway. Because I'm just a fucked up person. Because I'm a liar and I can't be trusted. So all of these are natural reactions to label something or try and trace a source to something that doesn't make sense to you. There's likely inner chaos going on inside of you. So polar opposite emotions related to your actions. So no matter what label you give it, the behavior still doesn't make sense. It doesn't have any logic. doesn't come from anywhere. You can't stop it. It's, it betrays you. So the key why to how this loop starts is the denial of a particular dark feeling, a denial of what we are ashamed to feel or afraid to feel. So the dark feelings go unacknowledged because we are afraid of them or we don't want to feel them. And why we don't want to feel them is it could be a variety of things. It could be because it betrays us morally, because it terrifies us. We just simply can't bring ourselves to look at it. It can be because we cannot even identify them or their causes. Like we literally can't hear them or or spot them or it could be because there's nothing we can do about them and so we ignore them we medicate them we stuff them away behind busyness and bury them under things that will hopefully demonstrate to ourselves that we are good and we are powerful and we are in control and that we're different than these darknesses so we work harder and harder to be better in all the other areas of our life and it is here in this efforting where this shame monster thrives. That's so what I'm calling it, the shame monster. So when we're running away with all of our might and looking anywhere but inside, that's when this darkness takes over. It's, it starts to grow power. So with that suppression or that disconnection, this feeling inside us takes on an unpredictable power. That power holds the ability to destroy what we and our chosen self have decided is what life should be, but that is not all of who we are. So we live in kind of a half awareness of this darkness and a fear that our present lives are but a passing ghost that cannot ever really be ours. So it's like it creates this duality of we're not really this person. I'm not really here. I don't really have this stuff. So if you push these bad things down more and more, You're holding it in, and the more you're trying to hold in, the more pressure builds. Even if it's just a little bit a day, you know, a little bit of lying here and there, it only comes up up once in a while. Eventually, this pressure explodes. So the more you don't look at the pain or confront it, the more full that pot becomes. So it's always there, it's bubbling, and it needs constant attention to keep it in, to keep it at bay, to suppress it. What a lot of work that will be for a person that has a busy life and has other demands and stresses and priorities, that takes so much energy on its own just to manage and keep away all of those feelings. And it takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of just, it's a strain to keep it all down. When stress or other life issues tax us to the point where we cannot suppress the feelings anymore. So the slip-ups are usually major and they usually cost us a lot. They cause harm to us, to innocent bystanders standards, the people we love. They wreak havoc on everything we've built, and they are of an opposite truth. They're an opposite being. The one you tried to talk yourself out of that you don't want to see, you don't want to believe is there. But it's this being that's grown from many collective. Hidden truths like this, it's built up by many tiny little pieces. so it's like you built up this uh, like little tiny wads of clay each day are suppressed, and eventually it forms into this ugly other self, the shame monster. So this monster escapes when you don't have enough energy left to keep watch over it. but the monster has taken on all this power because of being suppressed because all of these lies have built up to be something overwhelming and terrifying when in reality they're all just tiny little bits. It's become more than it's it really is at its core. So what is the shame? What are these feelings? Are they mine? Why do I do these things that I don't want? Well everyone has good feelings and bad all the time. Everyone has the capacity for good and evil all the time. Everyone has petty emotions and feelings and wants and they also have the Choices and the goals of their higher thinking self, their rational self. The difference between you and other people who don't self sabotage is the ability to confront the bad feelings and deal with them in ways that align with your goals and your most rational thinking self. So you lack the ability to actually empower yourself to deal with those feelings. So your feelings are not confronted or dealt with. They're immediately stuffed away. Why? Because the feelings scare you and you don't want to have them. Why don't you deal with them? Well, that is the question you must solve with your therapist. But I can tell you that without a question, it's a system that started up in your life a long time ago. It's something old, and it likely has something to do with your parents, your childhood, or an old trauma, or a series of traumas. So here's what I'll tell you about myself, or based on the learning I did on myself, because I was just like you are right now. We take on coping tactics when we have to. Ironically, it's a healthy thing to do what you're doing. Your brain started doing this as a way to protect you from a breakdown. So when we start stuffing feelings away, it's because we're incapable of looking at them because they're too much for us. It's called denial. So somewhere you know the feeling exists, but you can't look at it. And that's why I believe that this is tied to something that happened at a younger age. Because when we're young, we are very vulnerable and very incapable of dealing with heavy emotions and feelings of powerlessness. You need a full and confident base to stand on in order to confront what is overwhelming and bigger than you. And so when you're young and you feel really overcome and helpless and you don't have somebody to make you know it's okay, you cope um, in any way possible. Your brain will cope or it will break, just like a system overload. So you likely took on this habit because your body and brain were protecting you from breaking. And that was helpful at one time, but it isn't helpful now. Now this system of self-protection is overriding your life and making you feel powerless in the face of it. When we have overwhelming feelings that don't make sense to us, these ghosts of old terror, we'll try and assign new reasons for them and distract ourselves from them, or we'll just stuff them away. What does stuff mean? <laughs> Hide, smother, swallow, ignore, distract from, numb with substances. The way we get away from anxious feelings and dark, deep, sad feelings and terror-like fear- feelings is to just put them inside, ignore them. It's like push them away from our consciousness. So what happens when you stuff things is they still are there, but they're kind of in a deeper level of your awareness and they actually affect your behavior. They affect the way you perceive the world. And they just kind of fester and they compound each other. So occasionally they uh, rise up and explode and they're much bigger and more powerful in the ways that they affect you. But With all of this compounding, they all still exist, and they're always secretly guiding your perception of yourself, and they tell you different things about yourself, and they're all false. So they can be things like, I'm a bad person, or I'm a deviant, or I need this other thing to feel okay, or I'm damaged goods. So you might not even know that you have negative feelings about yourself, because I didn't. I had to trace them via my actions. I was acting as a person who didn't love themselves. But if you asked me, I'd say, of course, I like myself. I'm awesome. And that's because I was cut off from the sense of the darkness. I had no awareness of it. So here is a starting point for you to investigate yourself. What are your actions telling you? This is the unconscious way you feel about yourself. So if you can't connect the dots, that's a sign you are stuffing something super old. So, for example, if your actions say, like let's say you're lying and cheating. Your actions are telling you that you are a dishonest person who betrays people. That's a belief you have about yourself. So, if you're wondering why you have a dark belief about yourself in the first place, I'm going to give you some common areas of darkness that get stuffed when it comes to our uh our foundations as a person, like what creates this system of of thinking. I think I have five. Number one, fear of abandonment. So this is a common reason behind self-sabotage in relationships. If you had a caregiver who abandoned you permanently or on an irregular basis, or you lost somebody who is vital to your survival at a very young age, the pain of the fear of potentially losing your lifeline will be similar to PTSD, and if you're very young, it will overtake you and cause you a an extreme amount of discomfort and anxiety as soon as you feel um, safe, because you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Your your threat system is going into overload, anticipating this thing is going to be lost. So as a present day person as soon as you feel attached or you feel like a an emotional bond that's similar like to love the fear will start in and it will feel overwhelming it'll cause like an extreme amount of anxiety and you won't be able to manage or make sense of the anxiety so as a way to feel comfortable with this terror you will take it into your own hands and as soon as you do the feelings are manageable. Even though you are wrecking something you love and you're hurting yourself and hurting other people, it's a lot less painful and a lot less overwhelming than the anxiety of being in that terror moment. So when it's in your control, you can see the pain. You can see it in your own power. So it doesn't, it doesn't hurt so much when you're the one that's doing it. Um, if you are this way, it doesn't mean that you don't want love and intimacy. So whenever this happens, you will likely also be experiencing the feeling of mourning and sadness that you don't get to have this thing you want. So if you have a childhood with abandonment issues, this can also manifest as a loss of interest in somebody as soon as they come too close to you or show you love. So You're more comfortable in the longing and distance stage. And as soon as things get close, they don't fit what you like as a relationship. So you might immediately drop people. That's number one. Number two, undealt with trauma. So here's how trauma works. When you get traumatized, you're uh, you're sent into such an extreme state of shock that your brain can't make sense of. And when your brain can't make sense of something, when when one experience doesn't fit with the other experiences, you'll have a constant need to make yourself feel okay with this this feeling of like, when's that thing going to happen? That thing that happened, when is it going to happen again? Like, so that's all constantly going through your mind. And when you have that constantly going through your mind and your body, what happens is you usually will have to soothe it. So a lot of people self-medicate and a lot of people just drink a lot, um, just constantly running from the feeling. So when you constantly run from the feeling for a very long time, what happens is you don't know how you feel. You cut off from your body. You choose to cut off and not listen to your body because there's so much scary, intense feeling in there. So that's when you start to operate without a compass. That's when you start to do things that make no sense to you. You're just kind of guessing because there's no actual gut instinct helping you. You're just kind of like floating around like a mini sociopath. Like, I guess I should do this. This is what this other person wants. I don't know. This might feel good, but it's completely severed from... Any awareness of how you feel about it because you just can't feel yourself anymore where you're really removed from your body so when this happens to you early on in life, what this becomes like a managing tactic like this becomes a thing that your body knows how to do like a tool to help you get away from pain. but if you haven't really worked on that or if you haven't gone to therapy and fixed that, this will be happening. And you won't even realize you're doing it, and it won't be serving you. So you might be completely severing contact with your body still, unbeknownst to you. And just as a reaction to every, like, regular anxiety, or any time you're triggered back into this moment of trauma, like, you might have, like, echoes of that feeling that make you disassociate. So this is when you are watching yourself. When you're separate from your body is when you're, like, you are using your body like it's a tool but it's not you're not acting based on how you feel or what you want it's like you're you become an object that you're piloting but none of your actions are based on your feelings you're almost acting despite your feelings so this disconnection creates the ability to do terrible things because you don't have a compass to guide you you're not you don't have any gut to like react to or listen to And that's when you can't predict your own behavior. Like you might find yourself saying things like, I hope I don't mess this up. I hope. Like you should know what you're going to do. But if you can't tell, you can't predict yourself, there's a really good chance you are disassociating and disconnected from your body due to some overwhelming feelings inside. And it could even be that you are just employing the disassociation because of just habit. Like you aren't. Even experiencing the triggers anymore, but maybe you would just keep disassociating because that's the like you're just used to it it's an it's not something you need anymore, and in this case, you must learn to listen to what is going on inside of yourself like you actually have to train yourself to stop and like decode what am I feeling? what is the feeling saying I want is feeling bad or good because it's chaos like if you have been avoiding painful feelings for a very long time you likely have complete inner chaos and conflicting emotions all the time so it takes a lot of pulling out of like very like listening as hard as you can and that process you just have to start by choosing to do it it just start by choosing to try and figure out how you are feeling and try and figure out like what makes you feel good what makes you feel bad Number three, PTSD from repeated traumas. So if you grew up in a stressful environment and you had lots to be worried about, like you lived with a constant sense of, um, I'm in danger. When's the other shoe gonna drop? Are they gonna explode? Is something bad gonna happen? So a healthy way to cope with this is to control it and to make something within your power. So it's all spelled out in this lab rats test. There are quite a few, which is sad. Because, yeah, rats are animals. But basically, if you subject rats to a threat at random times, they develop fear and anxiety even when the threat is gone. And also, if you give a rat pain at a predictable time, it will be just fine. So how this ties to destroying your relationships is that every time you get too comfortable, you might feel overcome by the anxiety that exists from previous traumas. So it's just uh in those moments when everything seems good and you feel happy that's when things feel like something terrible is going to happen like this is the time when everything goes wrong like something ter- like something is abnormal when everything is good in your life that's when you're like wait a minute nope this isn't this doesn't make sense this isn't my life this isn't how it works so to control that anxiety you destroy something in your life, the relationship, the job, the anything good. It's like a way that you can control the pain. So if you experienced an extremely painful loss uh, of somebody you cared about, or even you went through a really painful breakup when you weren't expecting it, this could cause you to feel the same overwhelming, uncomfortable feeling when everything is going well. And it's the anxiety that is difficult to cope with. So you might be empowering yourself by being the one that breaks it because it's relieving this other kind of pain. So this coping skill that you learn can also be something done with sex. So if you had a person in your life who sexually abused you, you might have taken control of the abuse by becoming sexual, by provoking the attacks. Because when you know when they're going to happen, they're way more manageable. So this then becomes your identity. I am sexual. I am seductive. People love me for sex. So if you are dating or trying to fall in love or trying to be um, committed and good, you will still likely believe this is your identity and your value, that you are, I am sex. I'm a seductor. Even if you hate the sex you're having or it means nothing to you, it'll be like this role that you can't stop acting out. Which is a shitty catch-22 because it removes you from fulfillment. You're not even participating in the benefits of love. You only ever give yourself to others just because it's like this false identity from a long time ago. So if you find yourself giving yourself to others who you don't like or others have power to make you play a role that you don't like, this could be the starting point for your therapy. Number four, a childhood full of fighting and chaos. So, in other words, you might be just comfortable with discomfort. It's because it's what you're used to. So it's where relationships make sense. It's where the world makes the most sense, and it's where you know how to deal with your life. Where you know how to feel. I need relationships to be tumultuous and volatile. I need to fight, and I need to destroy them, and then we can come back together and feel safe. And this might be just based on um, this like some sort of relationship history that this is how you identify when you are loved when you're in this really tumultuous destruction part of your relationship number five painful feelings of low self-worth so this one is tricky because it can be completely invisible to you you might be simply acting as a person who doesn't covet themselves despite being completely self-respecting in other areas of your life. I used to be like this in my behavior toward myself, and I had to learn to be self-protective and self-loving from scratch. So if you're not sure, use the same line of questioning. What does your behavior tell you that you are telling yourself? So if you, your behavior will dictate to you who you are and how you feel about yourself so if you lie and betray others your behavior says i'm a bad and untrustworthy person that's your answer you have a bad definition of yourself so those painful feelings of low self-worth can motivate a lot of very damaging behaviors so your marching orders for personal growth are to solve for where those definitions began who was it that made you feel like a bad person how did that belief start my guess would be that it's likely tied to an old relationship like one with your parents. It might be super subtle too, like it's too layered or it's, it's so complicated that you can barely believe that it would be the source of that belief. But just begin to investigate and write down any possible leads. Number five, <laughs> bad kid syndrome. Feeling that you're a shitty, terrible person and you deserve to be punished. If your family role was such that you you took on the black sheep or the bad kid role or maybe you moved to a new place and you felt so vulnerable that you took on a new persona that was tougher than you really were, you might be still living out that prophecy because you have now convinced yourself it's who you are. So If you currently live close to home, you might also have others in your life solidifying that role by constantly placing you back in your old emotional shoes. So by bad kid, I mean a person who is selfish, who will always disappoint others, who can never change, who is always coming from a bad place, who doesn't get it, who has a messed up track record or lots of war stories to tell, who feels like the fuck up of their circle, the one living on the outside of normal. So even if you're a boss in your career or in other areas of your life, you might have a habit of being the bad kid in how you relate to others personally. So Here's the starting point to self-examine. When you talk about yourself, do you couch your stories in the good and positive, or the extreme? Do you remember all the good and happy things from your childhood and high school years? Or do you first recall the not like everyone else things? So those are the five that I thought were the most relevant to this topic. So if you learn healthy coping tools, like with a therapist, or from your parents growing up, you can manage the negative feelings and vent them, or you can put them in a a logical place so that they don't overcome you. I think about repression as the stuffing metaphor because eventually it'll explode in an extreme form, like out the other side of your head. It's like you become overcome by this darkness because it's all built up. Otherwise, if you hadn't stuffed it, it would be like a dark passing truth or a fearful feeling, but you would know how to address it and you would have the control to address it. So how do these parts of you take on so much power? They are validated every single time you hide something from yourself. The negative becomes more true when you find yourself lying and hiding things, like more food for the shame monster. So why this comes out in the moments of weakness, like when you're stressed or low or intoxicated or triggered, that's when you lack the chemicals you need to enact self-control when we're tired or we're stressed. we are acting from the less evolved part of our brain. It's the lower self uh the threat system. it's like the the slower, less evolved, simpler. Actually, it's a faster part of your brain. It's the less evolved um, part of your brain that you share with other animals. Well, with reptiles. And it's the feelings that come from fear, selfishness, threat to ego, need, desire, impulse. In other words, they are not reflective. These thoughts are not uh, intelligent, and they're not coming from the you who knows what you truly want. They're motivated by... The fearful emotions, the primitive emotions, the threat emotions. The higher you, the reflective brain that you evolved past all the other animals to have, helps you live guided by your higher values and what you know you want despite your emotions. So, this higher part of your brain will tell you, I know I need help. I know this isn't who I am. I can choose to do other. So, the lower and in this case, more powerful emotion fear so it will tell you you're fucked just get wasted and because this fearful pile is overflowing in you the emotions take on way more power and you obey so here's a rough cycle of you versus the shame monster you aspire to be good you work hard you get triggered or you get emotionally exhausted and then you hear that voice inside that says you're powerless you want this So then you act on the lower self based on a need to soothe the chaotic inner feelings of anxiety, which is often really a fear of the thing you're doing itself. You then wake up in the aftermath and a deep and almost paralyzing guilt sets in when you witness the reality. And then that guilt becomes depression. And you're now living the true form of the shame you believe deep down, your hidden truth. So thus the shame monster feels at home. Now you feel fully in these motions you've been suppressing. And so that's when the shame monster goes mightier in its ability to control you. Over time, what happens is the shame monster has wreaked so much havoc on your life, you cannot even remember that you don't want these things or that these things betray you. It's almost like you forget you are a separate and struggling yet loving self. You only see the shame answer in the mirror, and it's hiding who you are in your truest and most balanced self. Thus, you lose hope, and that there is such a thing as change, because nothing has changed so far in your life, even though you've tried and you've bargained with yourself and you've promised and you've begged. And no matter what you do, nothing has changed and you have no control. I know that place well, that feeling of hopelessness. Which brings me to. Part three, the how, the tools. So I know I've been saying I want you to go to therapy. And I also know that there is a lack of good care in a lot of countries and a lot of surrounding areas of cities. And I've heard from many of you who have tried to get help and have had terrible experience with therapists. I have been there myself, and I know it's shitty and terrible, and especially in a time when you're so vulnerable. But I believe there is somebody who can help you if you look long enough. So just continue to seek it out and don't stop until you find that person. Even if you're finding somebody that you're going to Skype with, I would say get even more aggressive about seeking out treatment. But I would say don't stop looking and keep reading books on the subject as a source of help in the meantime. Just don't give up hope. I wanna give you a few tools to make some progress, but this is only a start. I think of it as a way for you to begin to collect research, for your self-work with your therapist or a way to at least make some positive steps in the right direction. Here we are. Three tools or four tools. Number one, know thy triggers. So this set of actions is similar to a drug, your, your darkness and how it takes over your life in the cycle, and that it comes about when you are feeling overwhelming emotions tied to this thing. So identify the times that you use your negative acts. What are your danger zones? What are the consistent factors? Like, are there any trends? Where are you when this happens the most? Like, what are the significant details? Any commonalities? For example, I had the most potent feelings of dread during the day in an empty house. It was like, that was the window of time when I felt the most potent feelings of terror. My friend has hers when it's dark out early in the day because it reminded her of when she had to go home after school and her dad would be crazy and drunk. So you have some set of circumstances that lend themselves to when you act against yourself. And your job is to start to write down and shape a vague understanding of when that's happening. What are the common threads? What are the emotions that come up? Our muscle memory controls us often without our awareness, and it will be so buried and faint, you won't even believe it's tied to something old. But whatever this trigger is, whatever these windows are, they have some connection to uh, a younger self, a, a different time when a part of you felt that way, that same feeling. So just begin to mark down the details of when you are most in need of seeking this out. What's the emotional state you're in? What time of day is it? Where are you? Is it a specific location? Is it a specific type of conversation you have right before it? What emotion do you feel and what age does that emotion feel? What does the feeling remind you of? Anything vague, just write it down. So what you want to do when you know your triggers is begin to just be hyper aware of them. Like if you know, for example, being alone and feeling uh, low after work is a trigger point for you, change everything you can so that that situation doesn't happen. Like be, get yourself extra support from friends and whoever else during those times. Number two, greet the feeling. So in the moments you feel that pang of terror or the moments you feel the depth of your depression or the moments you feel that tiny stirring inside, the emotions that feed the shame monster, I just want you to begin a practice of describing your feelings on paper, all of them. Don't roll your eyes. I want you to write them in a journal or even on your phone. You could delete them immediately or you can throw them away. But when you write about this feeling... No matter what it is, the dark, terrible feelings, just let yourself ramble, train of thought. And it's better to do it with handwriting, but a phone will work too. So just let all that, all the fear, all the negativity, all the weird, crazy shit take on a physical form in black and white and keep doing this practice. Do it every single day. And the purpose is when you write something down, you remove its power to control you. You lessen its power you bring it to the surface, you remove it from your subconscious, and it becomes just a thing. It becomes this thought. It's less of a truth. It's weird, but as soon as you externalize something, it just becomes way more approachable, way more normal, and like it just is, and you are completely conscious of it. And as soon as you have a negative feeling or an anxious feeling just as a general habit write it down read it and see it in broad daylight and describe what it feels like what it looks like what you're afraid of like what you don't want to have happen all of that should just be something you can read to yourself back in your eyeballs number two number three hurting take action So, imagine this is me doing a super silly commercial for a miracle pill called Action. Got a big red star next to it. And right now it's free. This miracle pill is the only thing you need to do to start helping yourself. So, do this take this pill called Action whenever you hurt or feel hopeless or powerless or or overcome by just the pain of whatever is happening in your life. Instead of allowing, your shame monster, to bask in the jacuzzi that is your pain and wallow, take one action. Take any action in the right direction. So I mean anything. Go on a jog, book yourself into a 12-step meeting, go to a class, schedule a therapist appointment, find a new therapist, start reading the new book you bought on the personal growth issue you're struggling to understand. Whatever you do, stop the indulgence in the shame. That is how you make more and more of it. That's how it controls you. Stop and take action in any kind of positive direction, even if it's unrelated. Anything good. So volunteer at the dog pound. I, set, I would say set up a list of these types of positive actions for yourself ahead of time so that you can just spring into action when your wits are not about you, when you're triggered. Number four, do reps of pause... So this is my workout assignment for you. Begin a practice of pausing. And it's, this is a way to basically enhance your reservoir, like grow your actual energy reservoir for self-control. So before you do any automatic habitual function throughout your week, practice just taking a moment before you do that thing and change your behavior and just take a beat and say to yourself one one thousand in your mind. So for example, before you brush your teeth, if that's something you do on a loop all the time without thinking about it, before you do it, stop and consciously pause. So what this does is it enhances your ability to choose instead of react to the emotions that tend to take the wheel of your body. So you can practice with anything that's automatic and it's especially helpful to do something that's motivated by urge or chemicals. So for example, before you take a bite of your lunch when you're really hungry, pause, 1-1000. One, one so I want, you, I want you to begin to identify that during the times when you feel triggered or upset or like you're powerless, you are actually able to change your behavior, and it helps in those moments when you feel like you're about to just spring into some sort of action that you don't think you're not thinking about pause. Just give yourself an extra moment of time to decide and just consciously stop yourself from doing any action. And what I want you to do in that moment is just witness, watch the feelings that are going on inside of you. Just kind of narrate them to yourself. Just watch them yelling or Screaming or doing nothing, like just whatever those, those feelings are, just allow yourself to watch and observe them going on inside of you and not do anything about them. So, most of the time, when we have powerful feelings or habits we feel helpless against, we think we cannot do anything to change them. And in reality, we are always in control. It's just the, uh, the, the lack of intervening in that process that takes, it creates that illusion. So all it takes is being successful once in the face of your powerlessness to realize that you can alter your behavior and you can choose different. It's all about getting yourself the right support and empowering yourself in the right ways. If you're wondering what to do if your shame monster is so dark and scary you don't believe you can face it, I can relate. But no matter what it is, there are others who have faced the same thing and surpassed it. And there are people who were lazier and weaker and stupider with less resources who have overcome it. Just because that's how much time we have lived as a human race. I'm saying that to make you feel good. (laughs) So know that you are already on your way. I know that you can do this and you are already in the process of confronting it because you're still listening to me. You are not more broken than others or alone in your suffering. So, if you're afraid to see your life after you heal and change, again, I can identify, but know that the fear you feel is exaggerated and misplaced. You get to be the author of how you choose to integrate your darkness with your higher self. So, you get to choose how you want to address the feelings and how they are allowed to change your life. And yes, it can be incredibly scary. To not know whether or not others will accept you or still love you through your growth. But this is you giving them the gift of an ability to decide. It's not your job to make sure they can tolerate it or to control how they will feel. Your job is just to do what you can to improve yourself and take care of yourself and to start, start to work on yourself for them and for yourself. This act comes from the best place possible. So having been where you are right now, I can say the fear of the outcome is a thousand times worse than the outcome, and to be relieved of the pain and the anguish of the hiding is the most amazing feeling. There's like a massive burden that lifts on your life, and things get a whole lot simpler. The path you're walking is clear, and once you begin the process of accepting and owning your truth, you don't have to bear the pain of the guilt anymore. It loses its bite, and everything in life becomes just simple around that truth, around the truth of who you are. So it just means that you get to integrate things into your life in a way that is appropriate for you, and you get to choose how you want to live and how you want to react and what is allowed to change you. You get to choose. That's the most important part. You'll actually have a choice versus something that controls you without you having a say in it. So you'll get to choose who to be from your highest self. It can't be dictated by anyone or anything else. And once you are able to get to that point, you won't be hurting anyone else, which is a huge part of the pain you cause yourself. The self-abuse of lying is like a stab through the heart of anything good you might have felt about yourself before. So it's from this place of honesty and openness that a whole new life opens and you grow into a different person that you couldn't anticipate from where you are now. It'll be a person you love, who you are proud of, who you can trust, stand behind, and it'll just attract a whole other set of experiences and love into your life. So just begin this process for the sake of gaining inner peace and at the very least, forgiving yourself the reason you arrived at this place is logical. The things you do come from a place inside you that makes sense. You don't understand them now, but you will. You just need to walk toward the healing that needs to take place. And from there, you can align who you want to be with who you are. You can become all of yourself once again. And that self can choose what to do, what to process, and how to live, despite the fears, despite the urges. You will know how to manage your anxieties, and you will know how to own your own power. Right now, you can't recognize who you truly are and what that self truly wants. But once you confront what you're hiding from right now, everything makes sense. So in closing, I want to thank all of my monthly sponsors on Patreon and on my website, Thank you so, so much. You're making me really feel like I can do this as my job, and I want it to be, and I'm, it just motivates me so much. So thank you. And I also want to tell you, um, I will post a reading list of helpful books and where I got most of my research um, in the blog version of this post. In closing, our darkness holds the key to all of our light. And that sounds super touchy-feely, but truthfully, these areas are what unlock the most profound happiness once you address them and learn from them. It's the kind of learning you'll want to share with anyone who needs it because it's such a profound gift. When you're in the soul dumps hitting bottom, these are the windows of the greatest change and growth. It's these moments that we can unlock the bonus levels of life. So if you choose now to explore the purpose of this experience, you're having right now in your life, you will grow beyond what you knew was possible. It will blossom your capacity for love and for happiness. When I was in the stage you're in right now, I felt powerless as well. And that monster made me do terrible things to people I love, but mostly to myself. And what I want to tell you the most, more than anything, is commit. Commit to the work and the truth and don't give up. No matter how hard it is or how long it takes or how scared you are to hold on to the things you have and not look at the truth, go for it. Because only when you treat your happiness and your inner peace and your relief from this as a true goal and you take it seriously, you will for the first time in your life hear the solutions. So accept the challenge before you, take it on with all you've got, and don't be afraid. This step is truly the hardest, choosing to go for it. When you are in this little window of, I don't want to, I'm too afraid, but I do want this, Like if this part of it is the hardest step in your personal growth. And also, what you're doing right now, this managing of all this pain and fear and loss, This is the most torturous form of your life. So once you decide to make change and work on yourself, the battle will be, it will take a lot of work, but it will be simple. The walk goes in one direction. Up to the light that is you without all this baggage. Without the running, without the mourning. It's a peaceful existence. So choose that for yourself. Say you want it and mean it. And begin by taking any step toward it right now. I mean, right now. Take one action toward giving yourself the support you need to heal. I hope this helped. And if you want to uh, read more on the subject, I will put the reading list in the blog version of this post. Smile, lovely friends.